Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm your host this week, Jamie Durant, as we discuss the Don's dugout debutant, home horrors in the Highlands and lower league struggles. Unlike Aberdeen, Aberdeen there will be no last-minute changes in the Northern Goal corridors of power this week, as the effervescent Paul Third and Andy Skinner return to the helm. How are we guys? Hi, very well, thanks Jamie. Yourself? Oh, grand here. I'm good, thanks. Start at Pitodri, obviously, where uh, Jim Goodwin was announced on Saturday morning as the new manager at Aberdeen before taking charge of the the one-one draw with Motherwell. Um, and start with start with you, Paul. I mean, on the face of it, it seemed a kind of a worryingly sensible appointment, <laughs> given that uh, Jim Goodwin was the probably the consensus pick of of many supporters and pundits alike. I think so. I don't, I don't know if it's worryingly sensible. I think it's <laughs> hugely sensible. Uh, I mean, we touched on it last week because he was the leading contender. Um, and he ticks all the boxes of what Aberdeen are looking for. An up-and-coming manager with six years' experience in the dugout, consistent progress year on year, and a good eye for a player. He's also made St Mirren really competitive. And he's two and a half years there. And at the risk of going over old ground here, Stephen Glass got the nod a year ago. But on paper, I think Goodwin had more of the qualities that Aberdeen would have been looking for 12 months ago to replace Derek McInnes than Glass did. Aberdeen went in another direction, as we now all know, and it hasn't worked. I think we can agree on that as well. But I don't think it was for the lack of trying on Glass's part, I have to say that. But as we know, it's a results business and the Dons have been so inconsistent on the last manager's watch, so a change has had to be made. Following Glass's departure, the board has revised that search to include that little bit more of a pedigree, I think that's fair to say, and at five years younger than Glass, but with five years more managerial experience, it's not hard to see why Jim Goodwin was a front-runner and has ultimately got this job. What are your thoughts on kind of this, uh, the early messages that have kind of come out from from him, so from what I've kind of been able to to surmise, he was he'd spoken to to Stephen Glass prior to being appointed. Um, he obviously there was supposed to be discussions ongoing or discussions to be had with Scott Brown. Obviously, he was linked with the St Mirren job before that went to Stephen Robinson. Um, there was never a consideration for him for sitting in the stand against Motherwell. He was always going to be in the dugout, um, and then obviously third place and good cup runs have to be the kind of the minimum. For, for the club going forward. And we was obviously seen in the last couple of days as well. Obviously, he's spoken very glowingly about Ross McCrory, hailing him as uh, future captain material on the back of him, signing an extension to 2026. I mean, probably a lot to, to take in there, but I mean, how, have you been impressed with how he's come across? I, I have. What I like is he set his stall out from day one. I'm in charge. I like the fact he was in the dugout against Motherwell because he was only confirmed, what, eight o'clock Saturday morning? That sends a strong message to the players. We're in this together. I'm with you all the way. That's what he's telling them. It also keeps them on their toes, more importantly. And it tells everyone, you better get your act together because I'm watching. I'm here now. As for the ambition, I don't think that's ever changed at Aberdeen. European football, cup finals with a view to winning a few. That's always been the aim. The funny thing is, it's been a pretty grim season (laughs) so far for the Dons. Yet, Europe is still within their grasp. At this point, I am astounded that, that I'm even saying that I don't know what it says about the other teams in this league that Aberdeen are still just kind of knocking on the door trying to get up to fourth and I think the rest of the teams in the league are going to rue an opportunity missed if Aberdeen can get their act together in these remaining matches but in terms of Goodwin I like a cut of his jib as they say obviously when anybody when any new manager kind of comes in there's always potential for 
for certain players to kind of come in from the cold, I suppose, and they're just the ones that I was looking at this week. I mean, Dylan McGeek's one who's obviously kind of been in and out of the team. Um, I, I kind of had thought about Conor McLennan, but then I thought more about it. Matty Kennedy probably made more sense. I know he'd came back into the into the side latterly under under Stephen Glass, but I think he was one that was linked with the move to St Mirren at one stage. So I think he could be one for a key role, or even who knows, Mikey Devlin. We might we might get to see him before the end of the season. Well, <laughs> right from from what I hear. Uh, it's looking like after the international break, although if there's going to be any games in the international break is another <laughs> subject for discussion, I think, given events uh, in Ukraine and Russia. Um, but I hear that both Andy Considine and Mikey Devlin should be due back and available for the Dons after the international break, which is a huge boost to the new manager, given the, uh, how do I say this, the very apparent defensive defensive issues which have dogged the team all season. Uh, in terms of a key role... I agree with you on Kennedy. Uh, Goodwin is a fan. He had him down. I think, I think it was a medical, if we're being honest. It was a medical at St Mirren that uncovered the back injury in the first place. And upon, upon further investigation, once he returned to pathology, that's when they realised the extent of the injury and that, and that deal was off. It's, it could be a sliding doors moment for, for Matty Kennedy completely in terms of his Aberdeen career. But the one that intrigues me, and you've touched on him already, is Ross McCrory. Uh, plays every week. But on Saturday, he was back in central midfield for the first time this season, I think. Uh, the manager's already approved a two-year extension in week one of his job. And that tells you everything of how highly he views the player. And you're right, I, th- I think he is a future Aberdeen captain. I mean, he's under contract for the next four years. Makes that certainly a, a prime candidate, I would think. McCrory is different from the other midfielders at the club. I look at Brown, I look at Ferguson, I know Dean Campbell's on loan. And McGee, they're, they are they are good players. They like to control and dictate the tempo. But I do think McCrory brings energy. He brings drive. He's not this super passing kind of player. He's just relentless up and down the park, up and down the park. He'll win the ball and he'll run it 35, 40 yards at the opposition team and, and draw players towards him. And that that is something that's been lacking in Aberdeen's midfield all season. It's been a campaign of slow, methodical build-up play from the Dons. McCrory carries that little bit more urgency in how he plays his football. And I think the dynamic of the team is totally different when he's in the middle of the park. And they almost kind of couldn't have, the appointments and Aberdeen having a home game this weekend almost couldn't have been timed better given that you've got the the unveiling of the Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson statue tomorrow, um, which I think obviously you'll be in attendance, in attendance 4.30. Um, and obviously the... The the old firm, sorry, new firm um, game on Saturday, which was obviously a, a key tenet of the uh, of the Fergie era at Aberdeen. I mean, it has all the ingredients of making for a fantastic atmosphere at Pataudry, doesn't it? I think so. I mean, on Tuesday, it was, what, less than 800 tickets remaining for the game on Saturday, which is incredible. I think that's clear. We're set for the biggest attendance of the season for a start. And I do expect the sold-out signs to go up either later today or certainly by Friday afternoon. It, it, it tells you two things. One, obviously the star power of the legendary Sir Alex, first of all, but it also represents for me a great chance for the fans to see what this Aberdeen team is all about under their new manager. And for Jim Goodwin, it's a fantastic chance to set his stall out and get that feeling for what it is to be Aberdeen manager. We don't see too many sellouts these days. There's been the odd European game, but it's been a while. Um, I hope the players can respond to such a big turnout because that brings its own pressure of course 
And I, but I do, like I say, I hope they respond with a display that'll match the number that's turned out for this game, both for their new boss and, of course, the greatest manager in the club's history. How would you, how would you kind of evaluate the side that Stephen Glass has, has left behind? Would it be fair to kind of characterise it as maybe unbalanced, unpredictable? Um, the kind of the positives that I'd seen over the last kind of six, seven months is obviously the Calvin Ramsey's elevation into the first team, Christian Ramirez's performances in front of goal and then latterly you've seen, kind of seen glimpses from Vicente Bizoin and kind of Connor, Connor Barron but I think it's fair to say that there's, there's been another it's been quite a few players that have underperformed and with the new manager coming in and the transfer window in the summer there's potential for, for more significant changes Well there is I mean, let, Let's look at the good points Ramirez is a natural goal scorer Connor Barron while still a very young player in his own right. He's looked lively from what we've seen of him so far. And Calvin Ramsey is starting to look a little bit more like his his old self at right back after an unsettling period, I think. All the speculation on a on a teenager's shoulders is bound to mess with his head a wee bit. But he's, he's come through it. He knows he's here at the summer, at least. Let's see what happens from there. He can all settle down. And then, yes, Vicente Bishwayan. He's off the mark, which is nice. But... And we do have to say, but the defence remains my biggest concern. Uh, clearly, you've a little chance of picking up points if you're conceding the number of goals that the Dons have shipped this season. I, mean, I was having a look before today. It's 34 they've conceded in 27 league matches so far, which, when you've only scored 32, <laughs> is clearly a problem. Um, I can, For context on that, right, Hearts have only scored four goals more than the Dons this season with 36 but their defending has been so much better that they're 12 points ahead of Aberdeen the uh, good news according to the new manager anyway as he said after the Motherwell game is the defence can be sorted out in a week or so I don't know if that's blind optimism or he's got some secret that we don't all know about <laughs> but I hope he's right <laughs> I think it's obvious though um, be hard to beat and then go for there the difficulty I have with this squad is Stephen Glass's Aberdeen was set up with two attacking fullbacks providing creativity by pushing forward and getting balls into the box. It did leave the central defenders exposed a lot, though. So how Goodwin intends on solving that issue while making the Dons more of an attacking threat, which he said needs to happen as well, it's going to be the interesting part in the weeks ahead. Like I say, the, the wider kind of Dons support will get a chance to chance to see what a Jim Goodwin team might look like and hopefully what's a what's a pulsating atmosphere at Pretodri on Saturday for the for the game with Dundee United. That's it for part one and in part two we'll move along to our teams in the Highlands. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Welcome to part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. And now we shuffle along the A96 to the Highlands where we find glum faces and rather gaping defences after uh, Ross County and Kelly Thistle were both beaten last weekend and both have a have a fight in their hands to to save their seasons. Um, Andy, we'll, we'll start with Ross County, who obviously beaten 2-0 at Hibs last weekend and have a pretty enormous home game against St Johnston on Saturday. And I mean, 
given St. Johnson's recent form, I mean, just how big is this game in the context of, of county season? Oh, you know, it's been a bad week for the clubs in the north when this is probably the most upbeat place that we're starting is uh, <laughs> Ross County. They're, uh, it, it's become a huge game. There's no question about that. Um, all of a sudden, on the back of that that defeat to Hibs and St. Johnson capitalising by beating Hearts has narrowed the gap and it's set things up for a... Uh, Aye, you know, sort of winner takes all encounter really at uh, Victoria Park on on Saturday. Um, I mean, County's form before that had been pretty good. They were four unbeaten. It's never out with the realms of possibility that they could go down to Easter Road and and suffer a defeat. You know, it's it's part of you know some of the challenges that you you have as as Ross County in the Premiership. They've been pretty good at um, you know putting setbacks like that. Aside, um, they've tended to to bounce back quite strongly, and they've continued a trend of just steadily picking points up as they've gone along. Um, it's never been allowed to become a rut, really. Uh, you know, ever since that that game down in Dundee in October, where they they won five nil and changed their season around, um, they've they've developed a good trend of just you know consistently picking points up, and as long as that continues. Uh, you know they sh- they will be fine. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I guess it does come down in large part to some of these key games against Dundee and St Johnson that they'll have, and the record in them has been good. Again, you know they've they've had a, a draw and a win over St Johnson. They've won all three against Dundee, so you know that suggests that they can you know rise to the the pressure of what this game on Saturday will bring, but. There's clearly a, a different kind of challenge coming from St Johnson, given the uh, you know the changes in in their squad since January and the positive effect that they seem to have had since the the window. And the big question I think for me is: Do County need to be worried just now with the way things are? Like the Saints are picking up results, like as you kind of alluded to there. Dundee have changed their manager, bringing in Mark McGee, and they're impressed in spells against Celtic at the weekend. Um, those two are maybe starting to gather a little bit of momentum. It's maybe maybe something that County uh, are lacking just now. I mean, what I see in Malky Mackay is a pretty ice cool character. Even when they were ten games without a win, he was adamant that you know things were going to turn and that they were going to continue trying to play the, the the way that he was trying to set them out, and that was going to deliver them results. And you know they've ab- evidenced that belief with you know, a good haul of points since the sort of autumn period. Um, I guess County have been in a bit of a middle ground for a while because as their form picked up, there was that feeling that they could maybe push on and and catch some of the teams above them and, uh, you know, even mount a late charge for a a potential top six place. But I think the way things are going now, you'd have to think that, you know, their main focus has to be to really extend that gap that they've built up on the teams below them, um, and you know if they if they do manage to to, to sort of re-establish that six seven point gap that they had after the win over Dundee, uh, their last win, then you know they, maybe they can start to to look up the table again. But you know it certainly it's the priority is to to sort of provide that that cushion again and you know allow the the dogfight to be contested between you know the two Tayside clubs because that. That's certainly the way it looked like it was heading for a long time, but you know, County with a couple more setbacks will will certainly be in that conversation as well. I think they're, they're another team as well that's maybe not got the the recruitment side of things 
spot on. Um, I mean, you, for kind of the success stories that you've had, guys like um, Maynard Brewer, Joseph Hongbo, kind of Jack Baldwin, that you can maybe say that have gone in and really had a positive impact on the team. You've got guys like Jack Burrows, Ben Payton, Alex Samuel. Um, obviously, Alex Robertson went back to Man City. But those kind of guys that have maybe not maybe not had a tangible effect on the team um, or maybe not kind of impressed enough to be warranted um, a first team place. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's important to note just the scale of County's re- rebuild as well. With I think it, if you take 12 players that came in during the summer plus another three that arrived in the winter, um, obviously Harry Clark, who was massively successful, and Alex Robertson, who you mentioned, have both moved on. But, you know, with a an incomings list that big, you're always going to get hits and you'll get misses and some that will fall somewhere in, in the middle of that. And you know, there's guys like, you know, Jack Burrows and Ben Payton that have pretty much been squad players. Um, you know, Jack Burrows is versatile and he's come on in games sometimes to help see out for the points. And, you know, that'll be a, a sort of under underplayed role, maybe a, a, an unglamorous one that, you know, might not capture some of the, the headlines that the likes of Hungbo will will be getting, but um, you know there there clearly have been disappointments as well. Um, Alex Samuel it hasn't worked for him at all um, to this point. He's still got an awful lot to to prove, I would say. Um, Dominic Samuel's put in a, a good shift in the last few weeks, but just can't seem to to get a, any sort of goal scoring momentum going. He's only still come up with one. So um, I think I mean. One of the biggest success stories really is maybe a, a measure of where Malky Mackay's strength is as well. And Re- Regan Charles Cook is a player that didn't really appear to be going anywhere previously. And, you know, Malky Mackay has managed to to get a, a real tune out of him and, and get the best out of him. So, you know, there's there's a mixture of of guys that he's brought in that have uh, have worked out well and, and some that haven't. But, you know, he also seems to have... have you know, developed a system that that has got the best out of players that were not performing so well last season. And um, I think with the summer coming, the the good thing perhaps is that, you you know, the number of loan players that they've got does allow them to to maybe, you know, quietly, uh, you know, be, not be committed to having all these players signed up long term. You know, there's there's a few of these that will go back to their clubs and uh, they'll be able to start afresh with, a clear idea of what they need to to add, but it, it probably will be quite another decent sized rebuild, just given the uh, you know the amount of players that are coming to the end of their contract. Across the Keswick Bridge, things are kind of haven't really got much better either. Um, with Inverness without a win since the eleventh of December, um, there's only one clean sheet in nearly three months, and the kind of the, the promotion challenge that they look like Mountain has kind of waned significantly um i mean from your perspective andy where where do you think it's gone wrong um, in these last few weeks just about everything really uh there, <laughs> there 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 was a stage where you know they were taking leads in games and they were failing to to hold on to them either you know drawing the game with a, a late equalizer or or even coming away with nothing uh now it's kind of turned a wee bit and they're falling behind and they're not managing to to come back they occasionally you know, pick up a point like they did against Partick, but their um, United game on Saturday, just, you know, there, there was no uh, response to that. And it's it's worrying times. There's no no getting away from it because, you know, they're really, 
you know, not giving themselves much of a, a chance in games. And, uh, you know, I, I remember being on the podcast a few weeks ago and looking ahead to uh, a run of three home games that they had coming up. They're now done and they've taken a point from the three of them, which goes down as a hugely missed opportunity at this stage in the season. I think we're seeing, you know, quite a few teams in the championship have improved in recent times. There's a few of them that started the season poorly and that, that forced a, a change of manager or a change of approach. Um, Ayers maybe a good example of that. They're on their third manager of the, the season already. And, you know, these changes seem to to be working out. And, you know, as as it stands just now, Inverness are still kind of banking on a, a good early season run of form to keep them in the position that they're in. But, you know, that's that's not going to last too much longer. And, you know, if, if they can't turn... Uh, you know some of these games into victories, and the, the fans are certainly, uh, you know, venting their their frustration at uh, Billy Dodds and his players uh, amidst this period. I mean, the mood the moods towards towards Billy has fairly has fairly turned, hasn't it? Because I mean, at the start of the season, there were everyone was kind of on board. I think with this with the kind of the appointment of of him as as head coach, it made sense after he'd kind of had an impact last season when he came in and. Uh, under Neil McCann's interim charge, and with the kind of the runner games that they had at the start of the season, they were keeping clean sheets. They were maybe only winning one 0 but they were still racking up points. Um, and I mean, it's—I guess it kind of shows the fickle nature of, of football. I suppose that things can change in in a matter of months, and the the kind of the mood music, um, the mood music can be a lot gloomier um, based on a and a kind of runner results. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I think it's three wins in twenty-one. Uh, you know, so it's it's a terrible run. Um, again, they've they've had a, a lot of draws in there, and somehow they've managed to keep hold of their their playoff spot. Um, but you know, if if they'd been on this nine match winless run at the start of the season, then you know, I don't think uh, you know Billy Dodds would certainly have much much argument really with you know what the fans are saying because you know it, it really is that that early season form that's that's kept them in the position that they're in. Um, and I suppose that does give him a source of optimism in terms of trying to, uh, you know, get people believing that there is something in this team that can instigate a revival. They're they're missing quite a lot of experience just now. I, I would say. I mean, looking at their their side on Saturday. I mean, there's no Sean Welsh, no Ridgers. Uh, Danny Devine was out. You've got Aaron Doran that's that's kind of coming back into the side just now as well. And they've also missed some of the, you know, the energy and the effervescence of Roddy McGregor and Scott Allardyce, who've been two of the kind of key players in in recent years. So it's um, it's quite a young team that's shouldering the burden at the minute. And I guess what they're going to hope for is that they can get some sort of result down at Hamilton, and you know they can, you know, use this negative experience of the last few weeks as. As a massive learning curve, really, and uh, you know, it's still set up to be a season where something is there to to be achieved at Inverness, but um, they they certainly need to turn it around quickly. My fear, I, th- I think, a title's beyond Carla Thistle at this point. I have to say that it's playing for a playoff place, and it's getting really tight in there now. Uh, Partick have got all those games in hand and to play Inverness. I think ne- next Friday night, so it's a massive couple of games now ahead for, for Dodds and his players. They, they need to get a result in one, if not both, I think. 
Yeah, after after Hamilton, I think it's Partick, Arbroath, and then Race Rovers. So it's it's all teams that are that are in there or thereabouts. You, you know, some of them haven't been on great form themselves. Race Rovers haven't won in a wee while either. But uh, you know, the answers certainly have to come from within the uh, you know the Cali Thistle's own squad as uh, as they look to try and turn things around. Well, hopefully next uh, next week we'll have some more uh, more uplifting news when we yeah, do, a, do our little stop-off in the Highlands. And that's it for part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. In part three, we'll move into Leagues 1 and 2. Welcome to part three of this week's episode of Northern Goal. And we'll start our return journey to the northeast with a stop in Elgin. And uh, I don't want to paint you as a, a merchant of doom, Andy, but um, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you some more uh, um, kind of disappointing and uh, <laughs> disappointing questions. Um, Elgin have now lost five on the bounce, um, losing to bottom side Cowdenbeath last weekend. Um, Cowdenbeath did lose out 1-0 in midweek to leaders Kelty Hearts, but given that Cowdenbeath are now six points behind Elgin and have two games in hand, um, is it is it time for them to start sweating a little, do you think, at Borough Briggs? Uh, yes, uh, I, I would say so. Um, I mean, we spoke about it last week, just how big a, a game the Cowdenbeath match was and just how frail Elgin have been when they lose an early goal so your heart really did sink when you saw the news come through of a, an opening minute penalty down at uh, Central Park and you know once that went in again Gavin Price spoke after the game at being you know encouraged by some of the chances that his side were creating but just with the lack of confidence just now you you didn't really fancy that they were gonna you know come back from that it's it's a malaise that they're in and yeah, it's tightened right up. Uh, it's difficult to see whose hands it's in because Cowdenbeath, if they win both of their games in hand, will be joint on points. Um, and then the two sides will play each other um, in Elgin before the season's out. So, you know, it, it really is all to play for. And with Cowdenbeath's form as well, I mean, I know they, they got beaten by Kelty, but sounds like quite a controversial penalty decision that, you know, turned that game in Kelty's favour. Prior to that, it's three wins out of four for Morris Ross's side. So, you know, that's the sort of form that you're looking for if you're in a dogfight and Elgin are, uh, as you say, five games, uh, five successive defeats. So, yeah, it's again, we're we're back to uh, calling this game at the weekend against Sterling Albion a, an, an absolutely crunch encounter. It's funny if... If they're not sweating <laughs> at Borough Briggs, then something's very wrong. Um, <laughs> what, what a time of the season to pick uh, for your forum to just drop off a cliff. And as Andy touched on, the Blue Brazil are suddenly making a fist of it. Uh, and we're looking at a perfect storm brewing for Gavin Price and his players at this point, I think. And they need to stop the rot. Uh, as, as Andy said, Cowdenbeath pushed Kelty all the way in midweek. They've got Edinburgh City, I think it is, uh, on Friday night. So if they can win that again, it's just piling more pressure on to Elgin to get a result at the weekend. It's it's getting really uh, really tasty down the bottom of the league too. I think is it is it possible that the off field situation is having an effect on the players? I know they're kind of all the um, hearings for the the alleged betting charges have been pushed back to the end of the season, but it can't have been an easy time particularly for the club because from what I gather they were kind of preparing to bring in trialists on the on the kind of the offshoot that they were going to lose players for a significant number of games so it can't have been easy for for the players and Gavin to maybe to remain kind of 
kind of focused on them on the match on the matches at hand when there's maybe this that was kind of hanging over them. Yeah, um, it's probably a situation that hasn't helped them. Um, you know, the the players affected had the date where they expected to learn their fate, and you know, perhaps were you know preparing for the possibility that you know they might miss a chunk of the the season thereafter, and obviously that's been postponed now. So it's a situation that I think for everyone concerned just needs closure and. You know, any delay to that, you know, just brings that that anxiety maybe of of what's to come. Um, maybe in an ideal world, Elgin could get themselves into a comfortable mid-table position and then, uh, you know, lose these players if they're going to, uh, you know, for for a chunk of the the season that doesn't really carry much meaning. But no, it's it's one that we just have to wait and see what what happens with. And uh, you know, there there's still plenty of talent in the in the squad that that can contribute between. Now in the the end of the season, Gavin Price has always been, you know, full of belief in the the squad that he's got. Um, I think he's he's hoping to to bring in Jevin Anderson on loan before the the end of the campaign. And there's a couple of players moving on with Alden uh, El Zubaidi, uh, the first of them. Probably goes down as one of the shortest stints at uh, at Borough Briggs we've seen. But um, I no, he's he's certainly. Uh, you know, at the stage where he's rallying the troops, and there's there's a you know a huge incentive really on on Saturday to to actually leapfrog Sterling Albion if they can get a victory because you know they're they're only two points behind, and I suppose that would just go some way to changing the the narrative uh, around the club, and you know in a small way they'd be able to to kind of look up the way rather than you know just be worried about Cowdenbeath behind them, um, but. It's uh, aye, it's now or never. That's for sure. Moving up to up to League One, uh, Peter Head is still kind of more concerned with the bottom end of the table than than the top at the minute. Um, after they got beat by Edrionians kind of narrowly last weekend, and um, it's another hard luck story for them, given that they dominated kind of large swathes of the game. Um, they did pick up a, kind of a, an impressive point in midweek against Falkirk, which I believe is the first time that they've they've kind of got a, a positive or a, a avoided defeat at the Falkirk Stadium. Um, I've spoken to Jim McAnally this morning and again he's kind of just remaining as positive as he can about the way the team's playing it's there's nothing to fault with the performances really at the minute other than they're not scoring enough goals um, I mean Ryan Duncan got got on the score sheet in midweek um, but I think there's I think it's it's probably sinking in now that there's just a, a scrapped a scrap on now to avoid being in that relegation playoff come the end of the season yeah, I mean, it's so congested in that bottom half. I, I was looking at the, the table, I think it's six points between Clyde, who are sixth, and, and Peterhead in ninth. And then, obviously, this weekend, I think it's ninth against eighth when the, the Blue Toon take on uh, Dumbarton at Balamour. That's a massive game. And then they've got this final game in hand on the teams round about them at Queen's Park on Tuesday, which will be another tough one, but it's going to be a really important week for Jim Mack and Ali's side because they finish it off, off of course, by going to Balmoral. Next weekend to, to play Cove, so three huge games of varying uh, issues at stake, I think, for the clubs involved, but a, a huge week ahead for the Blue Toon. They are hoping to kind of finally resolve this uh, defensive issue by the weekend. Um, they were hoping to have a reinforcement in from a from a championship club for the game against Falkirk on Tuesday, um, just to kind of a loan sign until the end of the season, but due to them already uh, reaching the, the quarter of 
five lone players um, that wasn't able to to go through, and it sparked a lot of frantic phone calls between various clubs. Um, they tried to push through um, Owen Kenz's loan from Fraser into a permanent move um, to free up space. That didn't happen. Um, from what I gather, this discussion still ongoing with Dundee over the futures of Lyle Cameron and Danny Strachan, um, which would see them, for Pete Head's sake, hopefully return to to Dens Park and then maybe go on elsewhere on loan, but it would then give Peter Head freedom to to do something before the weekend. And I, I think the the hope is that that can kind of be resolved quickly because they they're without Jason Brown for um, for a few weeks with an ankle problem. Uh, David Wilson has chipped a bone in his foot, um, and on Tuesday night they had um, central midfielder and captain Scott Brown playing at centre half alongside Andy McDonald, um, which well. Uh, well, it kind of worked out as a temporary solution on on Tuesday. I don't think they'd like to have it as a as a long term one towards the end of the season, particularly if they're if they're needing to pick up points. And Scott is um, such an effective effective force in the middle of the park. I, I'd agree hundred percent on that. I mean, Scott Brown is the heart, the drive, the energy of the Peterhead engine room. So if if you're dropping him back, I'm sure he would be good, and he reads the game well, and could be a decent sweeper. Dare I say? But what do you lose if by taking him away? That's not a, a natural replacement for him in midfield if he drops back. So, no, I think it's a de- the definition of a pressing issue for Peterhead, for sure. Uh, further down the road, uh, there's a big few days coming up for Cove Rangers. Uh, they took on Allo-, Allo Athletic on Saturday in League One, and then they have the Challenge Cup semi-final against Queen of the South on Tuesday. Um, given the way that the results have gone in recent weeks, it starting to look a little bit like a two-horse race um, between Cove and, and Airdrie at the top. Um, there's five points between them at the minute. Um, I did. I spoke to Paul Hartley on the phone this morning and he was kind of keen to play that down, saying you can't really rule out someone like Montrose just yet. Um, so given there's no full round of fixtures to go, but um, if they can kind of, if, for Cove's sake, it's it's just keep picking up points, isn't it? Because you're, you're in the dominant position at the minute. Yeah. I mean, Paul Hartley can't rule out Montrose, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say that. I mean, the, the Gable Endies are what? They're third, 11 points behind with 10 games to go. If they can make that up and finish above Cove and Airdrie, but it's going to take 10 wins out of 10 <laughs> and Cove have to win less of their six remaining matches. Uh, uh, less than six of their 10 remaining matches. So, uh, <laughs> no, sorry, it's not happening. Um, with 10 games to go, I think Cove are firmly in countdown mode now and it's the old cliche which every manager and player loves to throw out the old one game at a time but that's what you're doing now you get to Saturday try to pick up your three points and the games will soon run out if you're, if you're doing that and before you know it you'll be champions easy yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean having obviously they won't look beyond the the Alloa game on Saturday but we can look to Tuesday to, uh, to the Queen of the South uh, semi-final in the SPFL Trust Trophy Um at the Balmoral Stadium. I mean, having already beaten Queen of the South this season in the Scottish Cup and done it pretty emphatically down at Palmerston, um, it's a great chance for them to do the double over over the Dunhamers and kind of get to the first cup final since joining the SPFL. In a word, yes. Uh, I think Queen's have bigger fish to fry in trying to stay in the championship. Uh, They've got an interim management team who will be making a long trip north and I'm not sure where this semi-final will figure in Queen's list of priorities at this point of the season. We know Cove, with home advantage, a chance to reach a first cup final, and we're a big crowd behind them, I think. 
they're going to be fancying their chances. It should be a cracker. And I would be surprised if Cove don't pull this one out of the bag and get to the final. Well, I think the the winner of it would go through uh, to the final to face either Kilmarnock or Wraith Rovers at the at the start of April. Um, so that game, I think that game's on uh, the Kilmarnock Wraith Rovers game is the following day on Wednesday. Um, so by the end of the week, we could know, uh, we will know kind of who our finalists will be. Um, elsewhere in uh, North football matters this week, we had um, Highland League Cup quarter final on uh, Wednesday night, the one that beat the weather. Um, Broader Rangers, despite having only only ten outfield players and an emergency goalkeeper on loan from junior side Lockie, um, pulled out a very impressive two 0 result down at Brecon um, to to advance to the semi finals. Um, for more uh, for more Highland League news, um, views, and uh, interviews, uh, there'll be a there'll be a special episode of Highland League Weekly, I believe, on Thursday evening, and then as normal in its regular slot on Monday night. And that's it for this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thank you to Andy and Paul for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you. As always, if you'd like to leave a review or rating, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.